Hello, mamas. Today's episode is going to be another amazing special guest episode, and I am so excited for you to dive in. But before we get started, I have something super exciting to share with you. So you guys know that I have a free Facebook group for all of my mamas, the Mindset Mama Facebook group, which if you are not in it, you need to stop what you're doing right now. Go to Facebook, search the Mindset Mama, and get inside of this group ASAP. But a couple of weeks ago, I did a poll and I asked these mamas what was their biggest struggle in their mom life. And I was blown away by what the result was. I was expecting for it to be something like mom guilt or lack of time, but the overwhelming answer was confidence. And I want to do something about that. So I have created a free three-day confidence challenge. And in this challenge, I'm going to teach you mindset hacks, tips, and strategies to help you become the confident, happy, and shameless mom that I know you deserve to be. If you have struggled with feeling confident as a mom, feeling confident just as a woman, then you need to get in this free training. It starts soon, so make sure you head to my Instagram, at the Tiffany Wynn, click the link in my bio, and you will see the link to join the group, or you can go to bit.ly, which is L-Y, slash Momfidence Challenge to join us. I am so excited to kick this off and help you become the most amazing version of yourself that your heart desires to be, and I will see you inside of the group. Without further ado, let's get this episode started. You are listening to the Mindset Mama podcast, hosted by me, Tiffany Wynn. I'm a wife, mom, and mindset coach that is obsessed with helping moms free themselves of guilt, up-level their momfidence, and unlock their inner mama sparkle. Each week, me and my special guests are coming to you with tips and tools to help you step into your power and become the mom that you have always dreamed to be. Are you ready to unleash your mama superpowers? If yes, then let's go. Hey, okay, guys. Welcome to episode number nine of the Mindset Mama podcast. Today's episode is another incredible um, special guest episode. And I have with me today Keisha Reban, and I'm super excited to have her with us here. Um, She is a mom of two littles and she's going to be chatting with us today about her motherhood journey, adoption, and raising healthy babies as an occupational therapist. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Keisha to talk to us about her journey to motherhood and um, just why she is um, super passionate about sharing her story and her journey. Hey, good morning. Yes, so um, I always say that my motherhood journey came in with a bang. Um, my husband and I were married for five years, and we always knew we wanted to have kids. Um, we just didn't know that we were going to get them two at one time. Um, so five years in, we were like, all right, Lord, like, what do you have planned for us? We kind of felt like this was the time to start our family. 
Um, very randomly, one day I texted my husband and was like, hey, let's just pray for our family today at work. And looking back, like that was God all over it because um, I mean, we had talked like, hey, what do you want to pray for at work today? But just to say, hey, mm-hmm. like, let's just let's pray about this and see what we're where to go next. And literally that night, we both came home and said, hey, um, I think we're supposed to adopt. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the first time we had ever had this very clear vision of what our family was going to look like. And it was amazing because adoption was something that was down the road. We thought, okay, we're going to have one, two, three kids, and then we'll adopt from some foreign country, you know, kind of that savior mentality. Yeah. Um, so for us to both hear, you know, definitely God's voice that we were going to adopt, it was like, okay, you know, we were all in 100% um, down the road a little ways. Um, we also became pregnant at the same time. Um, so there was a time frame, and I can go into this now or later when I talk a little bit more about Yeah, myself. just go go for it. <laughs> um, so let's see. Um, we kind of went head first with the adoption and thought, like, all right, Lord, if this is what you've got for us, um, we felt such peace about it, too, because, um, I mean, we knew that word was from the Lord, and we knew that this was the path that we were called for. Mm-hmm. Um, everything fell into place for us. And I don't want to sit here and speak that um, adoption falls into place for everyone. Um, because I know that's very tender. And, um, mm-hmm. Our story is kind of the anomaly. Um, our story was was easy and it was um, quick. And yeah, I know that that is not the truth for everyone. Um, but we made the first call to the agency that we used on one day. And two weeks later, we were meeting with the birth mom that we were matched with. Um, wow. And she was due, so this was May, and she was due um, in September. And so we were matched with her for four or five months. Um, we had just gotten back from a vacation after we had met this birth mom. And I thought, okay, like, I, for some reason, like, feel a little bit weird. I'm just getting pregnancy test. Also found out that we were expecting total, <laughs> total surprise, not surprise. At the same time. Yeah. Um, so I, here I thought that, you know, our dreams of adoption were crushed. Um, my husband was amazingly supportive and thrilled and he just said like let's keep praying about this um and essentially god just said hey this is the plan for you it's going to mm-hmm. be a wild ride but um this is the plan yeah so essentially that timeline was made the first call to the agency met with the birth mom two, two weeks later three weeks later found out we were pregnant and kept this massive secret they were going to have two babies for our family for three months or something like that. Wow. So, um, yeah, so it kind of came in like a bang, um, but I absolutely wouldn't change it for the world. Um, I couldn't have handwritten it any better, and if I had to handwrite it, I know that I would have not selected to have two babies yeah. apart, but um, it has been the best thing in my entire life. Absolutely Incredible. Best. So how far apart are they? They are about three and a half, four months apart. Wow. Incredible. So is your, uh, so who's older? You have a boy and a girl, right? A boy and a girl. So Tabor is my daughter and she is older. Um, but she is this petite little thing. And then my son Houston is big bruiser. And so right now they look, and they look like twins. And that's just another little blessing is that they, um, you know, they both have dark hair and they have the same eye color and they're, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
out in public, people say, oh, my goodness, you have twins. And I just say, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm not going to go into the story because yes. it'll be here all day. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know what? It's amazing, though, is sometimes, whatever reason, there's days where I'm just like, oh, no, they're not twins. And then yeah. I tell the story. And they're like, you know what? That's how my children are. Or um, wow. you know, I'm in the adoption process, too. So it's always just like, um, yeah. For whatever reason, my heart tells me that I need mm -hmm. to share that story in that moment. So that's incredible. Yeah, I definitely, I'm, cause I found Keisha on social media. <laughs> and so when I, you know, just like scrolling your social media, you would assume that they were twins. And I definitely like before actually like getting into like your content and like reading your captions and everything, I thought that they were twins also. And so it was just like, I was like, wow, this is such an incredible story. And I just was like, I have to get her on the podcast because this is so good. So awesome. So, um, can you talk to us a little bit more about from your perspective, how, as you're going through this journey with your kids together, what kinds of things do you guys have planned for like talking to them about their story of like how they became brother and sister? And, um, you know, do you guys have any, any like thing in mind that you're excited about telling them about this story and their journey? You know, to be honest, um, I get a little bit nervous as they get a little older because mm -hmm. I know that that's coming. Mm -hmm. um, but we plan 100% to be so open about it. We have yeah. books about adoption right now that we read and we talk about, of course, you know, the comprehension is just not quite there yet, but as yeah. we get older, it's just going to be a conversation that's in our home. Um, we have an open adoption um, with Tabor's birth mom, and so she's going to be, and then Lord willing, she'll be a part of Tabor's life, and so that will just be an added little bonus. Um, but we plan to have conversations about it and you know, one of the best things I think is that Tabor and Kingston aren't biological siblings, but right now they don't know. Yeah. They have no idea. And you know what? Um, I think I shared about this in one of my um, pretty raw posts about Tabor that sometimes I forget. Yeah. But, you know, I've answered questions, you know, help, help questions about family history um, for her that I'm like, oh, goodness, like, I just realized, I, I totally forgot that we don't share biology. Um, and so now that'll be a conversation that we have and that um, she'll always know that I'm her mom, but that some other woman was so sacrificial for her and mm -hmm. made an incredibly great decision. But I don't anticipate it being something that's going to necessarily define her. Yeah. Um, you know, I love that. Is, and, um, you know, all to the core that Tabor and Kingston are God's children, you know, and it doesn't matter how a family is formed. And so... Um, I love that so much. That's incredible. So when she was born, you were still very pregnant, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So what was yes. that? What was that like bringing home a newborn while you're still pregnant? And how was that transition when after you had your son into having now two new babies? You know, it was very weird, but I got so many compliments after Tabor was born about how great I look <laughs> having a baby. And I'm like, well, thank you, but I'm 23 weeks pregnant or whatever it was. Um, I remember leaving the hospital with her and people were like, wow, you look so amazing. And I'm like, thank you, but there's still another baby in there. Yeah. Um, it's definitely weird. But honestly, I don't know any different. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like to bring one baby home and... Um, thankfully, 
that was the time of my pregnancy. I really was feeling pretty well. I had a lot of support at home. My husband is amazing. Um, and so I just don't really know any different. It definitely got hard um, at the end when I was tired. Um, and then I was sick in the hospital a little bit right before my son was born. And so that was hard to leave her. Um, the only, I think the hardest thing was probably that I missed out on some of that time just to embrace life with one newborn. Right, yeah. Because that was kind of short-lived. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. Um, I think that's perfect. That's your story, and that's what yeah. makes it perfect for you. Yes. I love that. So um, when it, now you have both babies, and we know that, you know, as moms in the, those first couple of years, there's – such a like transition from month to month and since they they're not twins and so they're not the exact same age and there's a few months of a gap do you notice some things that are kind of transitioning for your daughter and your son is not you know quite there yet is it hard to kind of keep that those transitions between them I know you might have a have it a little bit easier since you're a pediatric occupational therapist and you kind of have that understanding of like the developmental milestones and that kind of thing, but has that been difficult or how have you been handling that? You know, it really is a little bit hard, um, just in the sense that um, Tabor was my first baby, and so I knew all the milestones that she had met at certain ages, and I knew right. what I was doing, and so she was kind of the, I don't want to say poster child in a um, you know, above Kingston type of way, but she was kind of who I based all of the right, right. off of. Yeah. And so um, she was a super early walker and Kingston is 14 months and just started walking. Mm -hmm. and so I'm comparing them very unfairly. Yeah. Um, I'm comparing them. And then of course, even as an OT and knowing developmental milestones and feeling like I have a pretty strong educational background on child development, um, it's very hard to be objective about your own children. Yeah. Um, and so I compare them and I have to remind myself so frequently that they are different children. They, mm -hmm. you know, even if they were biology, biological children, uh, siblings, mm -hmm. they're going to be different. Right. And so I have to remember that. I think the hardest gap for them developmentally was really early on, probably that first year. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't nap at the same time. Oh. We had a three nap, three three time a day napper. We had a two nap a day. Oh my goodness! Um, someone was always sleeping. Um, they don't sleep in the same rooms because of that, because of just that developmental yeah. um, difference between them. And it's it's definitely shortened. Um, it's very small now. They're pretty pretty much on the same schedule. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember nursing my son and feeding my daughter a bottle at the same time. Mm -hmm in my two hands that were very Gosh, yeah. Um, you know, so that was probably the biggest challenge that we experienced was just, um, you know, managing the feedings that were different and the um, bedtime schedules and the naps and wow. all yes. of that. It was, yes. it, it was a hard year, imagine. but we're on the other side now. Yeah, and how old are they now? Um, Tabor will be 18 months in Kingston just over 14. Awesome. Great. Okay. So talk to us now, since we were kind of talking about the pediatric occupational therapy, talk to us a little bit more about how that looks in your personal life. So we know that you have the education and the background 
do you apply that, you know, in different ways with your own kids at home? Absolutely. And I think that's one of my favorite things about this job presently is that everything that I get to do at work, I can bring home and modify or um, adjust to suit my kiddos' needs. Mm-hmm. I'm also not a huge fan of, um, you know, musical toys and just those big toys that we buy. Don't, don't get me wrong. We totally yeah. have it. Um, but I love to foster creativity in any way I possibly can. Um, so we're constantly using um, cooking supplies. Like I don't, I um, did an activity with dyed spaghetti for St. Patrick's Day, and we're always just working um, with paper towel rolls and pom poms. And um, I love to be creative. Even before I was an OT, I just have kind of a creative spirit in me, and so. Um, that's what we do all day is we craft and we create and we um, make messes. And that's one thing that's actually surprised me in my motherhood is that I'm actually pretty laid back about it. Really? Uh, my kids empty my cupboards every day and they climb on stools and dump things out and make giant messes. And that's just part of learning. And that's, um, you know, I think definitely being an OT has embraced, helped me embrace that a lot because I can tend to be a little bit uptight about, you know, I just clean that up or, oh my goodness, you just filled the entire box of Cheerios all over the ground and now you're smashing them. And, you know, it's just how they learn. Um, And I want them just to have those organic experiences without having to have some toy right in front of them. Um, That's so good. There are so many days that, you know, all of our toys are pretty much in our living room just based on our space and there are days where we don't spend any time in the living room because we're um in the kitchen emptying cupboards and um rearranging clothes in our bedroom and I know those kind of things sound simple um, but they're learning at the same time they're learning they open drawers and they sort clothes and they you know pretend to fold with me and I love that yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I know I always see you posting things and on your stories and in your blog and stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, I need to do that with savvy. Ooh, I need to try this. And yeah. I still haven't done anything, okay, okay. but it's totally, but it's totally coming. Like I am like, I am going to stalk Keisha and make sure I'm like <laughs> tagging these things and saving these things so I can remember them. That's so good because, I mean, I, I have a background as a teacher. I was an elementary school yeah. teacher, but yeah, but like, I think it's a little bit different whenever they're at this age because I was teaching, I taught second grade was the lowest age that I taught. And so there's a big difference between a second grader yeah. and a almost two-year-old. So I'm like, I don't really know what to be doing right now with her, but it's so good to like see the different things that you do because they do give you like so many really good ideas for things that they could be doing. So why do you think it's so important to apply those things for kids that are, you know, at this stage? Honestly, just go ahead and say. No, I was just saying for toddlers and that are, you know, not quite in school yet um, and getting that kind of education from teachers, why is it important that they get that stuff from home? I would say exposure. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what they're going to be doing as they get into preschool, um, exposing them to different textures, exposing them, um, exposing all of their senses. So that's um, on my blog, I posted about um, spaghetti and oh my goodness, that was so gross, but so fun. 
um, <laughs> just engaging their hands and um, getting them slimy and wet and messy things in their hands and they can put it in their mouth and it's safe and they can touch it and squish it and smash it and they're just exploring and learning. Um, we've done, we have a big rice bin that I put um, beans, or not beans, um, of course rice, yeah. and toys and blocks and scoops and they're practicing those functional skills of being able to scoop and dump and cover little toys in, in the rice and so they're just gaining exposure to some of those bigger skills that they're going to gain or need as they're older. Um, yeah, just big exposure. You see so many kiddos who go into the preschool, um, the preschool, and they haven't been exposed to some of those things. They're um, timid around Play-Doh, or they've never held a crayon. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. That's what I love. It's like, oh, I'm getting ready to throw away this applesauce container. Well, let me... Um, clean it out and let my kids stuff, stuff blocks in it or um, let's save this Cheerio box and we'll cut a slit and we'll put tissues in it or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. That is something that I love because um, when I think about like doing these activities, you guys know, I talk all the time about how like, I just feel so busy all the time. And like, you know, I'm at that, at that season where I am like really just focused on my business right now. And so there's times where I'm like, gosh, I really haven't like spent any like one-on-one -on -one just like focused time with Savvy today. And then I'm like, what can I do? And I feel like sometimes just from other looking at other the way other people like do these kinds of activities I feel like well I don't have anything already planned but I love how like you are literally just doing things you know using things that you already have around your house and just it's like things that you can put together super quick and I'm like I have no excuse now <laughs> like it's so easy like there's literally no excuse for me not to be doing these things so how do you do some an activity or something like this every single day with them um, you know, I, I would say yes, or I have things that I pull out every day. Like um, currently we have this tub that I filled with Easter grass and Easter eggs and maybe blocks or something. And I'm like, oh, well, everyone looks like we're kind of in a roll. They're kind of getting fussy. Let's pull this out. Mm -hmm. and they um, Sometimes they want me to help them put the Easter eggs together. Sometimes they just want to take the Easter grass and litter it all over my floor um, so that's something that I have that I can literally just pull out. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes it just happens naturally, like I'm making dinner and um, the box of rice, uh, before I throw it away, I cut a little slit in it or I stuff it full of whatever I can find. Um, and they play with that for a little while. Or I give them a bowl of ice chips or something like that. Um, and it's not always me sitting down with them and doing this. And that's what I yeah. want to um, You can still give them experiences. And you're still a good mom if you give them some fun toys to play with and you're not sitting there with them all the time. Um, yes. I do not want people to think that that is absolutely not what my, my day looks like. Now, there is some focused time that we sit down and we play. And especially if it's a new toy or something that I've been very intentional about making for them. Right. Um, but otherwise, I just let them play and kind of let them do their thing. And we're all together and I support them when they need support. And um, But also just let them to be independent. 
That's great. I love that they're learning how to do these things on their own. That's going to be such an awesome skill and like trait that they're going to learn um, at an early age, which I think is super cool. So do you have anything um, else that you would like to tell us or, you know, what, what tips or suggestions would you have for a mom who is like, I have no clue where to start. I really want to, or actually before we get there, I, I forgot I wanted to ask you this. So I see you talking about, or, or in sharing about like different healthy, like meals and like mm-hmm. foods and things like that. Is that something that you're really passionate about also? You know, it really is. Um, I struggled with just kind of finding my way with healthy, healthy eating for a long time. Um, I've always been kind of body conscious. It's just something that I am constantly working on in myself. Mm-hmm. And I found, I stumbled across Whole30, gosh, I can't even remember how long ago it was, several years ago, and it completely just changed the way I viewed food. Mm-hmm. Um, it made it made recipes fun. It was kind of a challenge for me, honestly. Yeah. And after doing the Whole30, I completely um, just kind of revamped my mindset on what food looked like in my life. Um, I found out that sugar makes me crazy. I mean... Uh, uh, a lot of crazy, but truly, um, having sugar just made my anxiety skyrocket. Wow. Um, yeah. And dairy, for whatever reason, my body doesn't like it and just makes me feel sluggish. And so, um, I totally eat for my mental health. I've kind That's of great. Um, worked through eating because I want to have a certain body figure. And now I just eat because I know I need to be mentally well for my family and uh, my days are better when I'm eating well, um, and I just can, I sleep better, I eat better, I just make better choices all together when I eat healthy, and so I just want to instill that in my family, too. Um, thankfully, my husband is on board, and my children, they eat um, exactly what we feed them. Um, I do a lot of feeding therapy in my occupational therapy clinic, and so also that's you know, a big push for feeding my children a wide variety of food. But um, they eat amazing, and they still eat like toddlers, and they still throw their food, and they still are skinny. Um, But I'm just exposing them to a lot of different foods that, you know, maybe toddlers aren't typically exposed to at this age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want my children to have a positive um, concept or positive idea about food because I didn't always have that. Um, and food can heal our body and nourish our body. And, you know, it can, what is that saying? It's either the um, greatest form of medicine or the slowest form of poison. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I don't want my children to have this negative idea about sugar or dairy or whatever it is that maybe mom doesn't eat. Um, but I just want them to be able to make healthy choices for themselves. Yeah. See how it affects their body and how it helps them. Um, how it affects their learning or how it affects their exercise or just um, how they feel day to day. So hopefully I'm instilling some positive uh, in in food. Yeah. So what eating therapy, what does that look like? So we see a lot of kiddos who have really, really restrictive diets. Um, So kiddos that maybe only eat mac and cheese from craft Mm -hmm. um, or have never touched a vegetable in their life or um, maybe only eat chicken nuggets from McDonald's because they're the same chicken nuggets every time you go to McDonald's. Right. 
So we do a lot of food play. Um, I just shared about food play on my blog, which, um, you know, there's a lot that can go into that. Um, food play and just different strategies that we use to try to encourage children to eat um, different foods. Um, our clinic, um, I personally just primarily do food play and try to um, get kiddos to at least maybe accept the food on the table in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, then maybe they accept it in their hands and then maybe they accept, maybe they'll be able to give it a kiss and then ultimately they'll be able to take a bite. And so just kind of slowly working them into um, acceptance of the food um, versus kind of that force, take a bite. Yes. Until you take a bite. So those are kind of some of the strategies that we use in feeding therapy at work. That is so good. I never would have thought like to take it into steps when you are trying to introduce new foods or foods that your kid is like really resistant to. That's so smart. So if you need more information on that, I'm definitely going to be going to the blog to check that out. Yeah, I'm happy to help. If you're like me and your kid only wants to eat French fries and ketchup, no. then ahead to Keisha's blog. So um, do you have anything else that you would like to t- share with us? Any last um, suggestions or just any words of encouragement for our moms? Gosh, no. Um, I just feel like I need to um, tell people, as a mom of two, so many times people are like, and maybe you get this too, Tiffany, oh my gosh, you are super mom. Like mm-hmm. you raise two kids, you work a job, and you do all these awesome things at, at home. Or Tiffany, like, you raise an amazing mm-hmm. daughter. Look at all this stuff you're doing online. Have this awesome mm-hmm. podcast. You are super mom. Like, no, I'm not super mom. But I follow an amazing God who supports me every day. And I lean on his strength. Um, yeah. So sometimes yeah. I kind of growl beneath, you know, underneath my breath when people tell me that. Because I'm like, no, um, my strength comes from the Lord. And mm-hmm. uh, mama did so, so, so hard. Um, I am just faking it till I make it and I put yes. all my hope in the Lord. Yes. I, oh my gosh, I couldn't have said that any better. That is so perfect. Yay. Um, so if you had one word, I'm asking this to every guest, if you had one thing that you could leave with our moms, what would it be? One word of encouragement, something super short and simple that they will just be able to apply and use in those moments where they're like, ah, I can't do this. What would you say to them? Um, I think probably just kind of what I told you is, yeah. um, find your strength in the Lord. Yeah. Um, get your army around you and um, you were made for this. This is yes. your mama that was God's call for you. I love it. Thank you so much, Keisha, Thank for you. coming on here with us today. Where can our peeps find you? Yes, um, I pretty much hang out over on Instagram at Raising Reband. And then um, I have a Raising Reband blog as well. And that's just um, RaisingRebands.com. So I would love to have you um, hang out with me over there and, Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. I love your podcast and love following you online. You are such an inspiration. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So I will definitely um, get Keisha's Instagram handle and her um, blog on the show notes. So if you want to go check her out, make sure you um, grab that. Um, She's at Raising Rebants 
on Instagram and RaisingRebrands.com for the blog. Thanks so much, Keisha. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to the Mindset Mama podcast today. I know that as a busy mom, your time is scarce. And for you to turn this podcast on today means the world to me. I hope that this has benefited you and I hope that you've gotten something out of this podcast. And if you have, I would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and also leave me a review. I love reading your reviews and getting to know what you guys truly love about the Mindset Mama. It would also be amazing if you would screenshot today's episode and share it on your Instagram stories and your Facebook stories and all over your social media. And be sure to tag me in it and let me know what you loved about today's episode. I am so excited to bring you guys even more value every single week as we talk about mom life and how we can rock this thing together. I am excited to be on this journey with you. Thanks so much again.